Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Who's here last week for Pastor Mark Sondercock? What powerful message that he shared, the home of the brave. Sometimes it takes somebody come, coming from half a world away to, uh, to remind you of your purpose, remind you of your calling. And he talked about us coming together and being brave with the Holy Spirit, being brave because we're united as a family. And uh, one thing that he said really, really stuck with me as well. Um, it was kind of almost a, a passing note, but he mentioned how when Israel was coming into the promised land, there were seven nations that they had to, to drive out. There were seven nations that had planted themselves in the, the promised land. And, um, and I began to think about, about us and, and East Campus and El Cajon, and we know that this, this valley is our promised land, that uh, East County is our promised land, amen? Anybody else agree with that? So if, if Israel had to... Had to completely wipe out seven nations, or they were supposed to, then, then what is it that we're supposed to do? Do we think that, that it's just going to be a cakewalk for us, that, that God is going to do all the work and there's, there's nothing that we have to do? Or, or are there some enemies in place right here in this valley? Are there some enemies that we're supposed to, to wipe out? And so that's, that's what I want to talk about today. What nations are we called to displace in East County? We believe that, that this, this location, El Cajon, right here, 2nd and Broadway, is a foothold in East County. We believe that it's a starting point. About four and a half years ago, one of the first messages I preached when we launched East Campus was called Wall Breakers. We believe that uh, God had called us into this territory, into the promised land, and there were some walls that needed to come down. There were some strongholds of the enemy. Like Israel coming in, the first battle that they had to fight in the promised land was Jericho. And, uh, and we know the story. They walked around those walls, and, and God brought the victory. God made the walls crumble. But then after that, that, that spot was a launching point for, for the rest of the, the conquest, the rest of the, the military campaign that had to take place in order to, to drive out those nations, those seven nations that were there, to, to push out, to wipe out the enemy. So the title of this message today is Conquest from Canaan to Cajon. Conquest from Canaan to to Cajon. There are some things that we need to do. We do have a mission. We do have an assignment to take this territory, to fill the land. And there's some lessons that we can learn from Joshua and the nation of Israel. You'll find that there's actually some parallels from those seven nations that were resisting Israel, were resisting the chosen people from coming in, that those, those parallels, those nations line up today, funny enough, with a lot of the same enemies that we're facing. A lot of the same challenges, a lot of the same spirits that exist over this land that we're called to drive out were the same spirits that Israel had to get rid of as well. So I want to start off in Joshua 3, verse 9 and 11. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out. He will surely drive out. The Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and Jebusites ahead of you. It's a lot of ites. And you can highlight this. It's going to be important later. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant, 
which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. The Ark of the Covenant will lead you across the Jordan River to displace these seven nations. Each of these nations carried a specific spirit. There was a, there was a, a devotion that these nations had, but it wasn't a devotion to God. And, and they served different gods, but kind of one of the preeminent, one of the dominant gods that was served was, was Baal. And I'll talk about that a little bit more in a second, but, but he had called Israel, the God of Yahweh, the Lord their God, to forsake all other gods. And he has called us to do the same thing. And just as they had to, they had to wipe out the remnant, because it said in there that, that God brought the victory, God drove out those nations, but they still had a part to play to clean out, to cleanse the land, and to maintain control. So God gets the glory for the victory, but we get the spoils. Just like Israel, when, when God wiped out those nations, he, he drove them out. Anywhere where Israel came in and, and took possession of a city that they hadn't built, they, they got the fields that they hadn't planted. They were, were reaping the fruit, the rewards, the spoils of, of, of this land flowing with milk and honey that they hadn't done anything for. So God gets the victory, but we get the spoils. The same is true for us. When we follow after God, when we, when we fulfill every calling, every assignment that he has for us right here, like Gene preached on, then, then we get the blessing of a generous God. We get the overflow from heaven. We get to enjoy all the good, the fruit of the land, everything that, that maybe we didn't even work for, that the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous, the word of God says. So we get to enjoy these things if, if we finish the job. So how do we transition from, from this just being a foothold to, to filling this entire valley, to having a location in Santee, La Mesa, Lakeside, Alpine, Ramona? Let's fill up this whole valley with the Spirit of God. If we finish the job, if we can have the mission, the calling, the assignment on our lives. But how do we do that? Well, it starts with being uncompromising about the things that God is uncompromising about. It's so clear in Scripture what what things he does hate, the sin that he hates. If he hates something, then we have to hate it. Doesn't mean we hate people, no. The Bible says that God loves people. So we love people, we hate the sin. We, we, wanna, we wanna be welcoming, we wanna be in, inviting to everybody in this community because it's only God that knows what's in the heart. It's only God that, that, that can really test the heart. And so, so it's not our job to, to point out flaws and failures. No, we need to, to, as the Bible says, like take the log out of our own eye before we take the splinter out of our neighbors. Like we don't know the, the path that they've walked in their life. We don't know what has got them to this place. But it's no coincidence that any of us are here today. God has brought us here today. And so we want to love everybody that comes in. But if we really love them, then we're not okay with them just staying in the mess that got them to the position that they're in. Just like we, we were not okay with staying in the mess that we were in. But it's God that does the convicting. It's God that does the convincing. We do the loving. We do the caring. We do the supporting. We do, do the discipling. So yes, through the process of leadership. Yes, through the process of, of teaching and understanding. You, you will learn things and you will hear things that might make you a little bit uncomfortable. And that's okay. That's okay. That's just God refining you. That's, that's you being, being a, a big lump of clay in the potter's hands allowing him to mold you and shape you. And it's a little bit uncomfortable at times. Like, whoa, like, and then hang on, he's got me into the shape that he wants me to be in. Wait, what's this hot thing over here? No, 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 I don't want to be tested. I don't want to go in there. But you have to go through the testing. 
in order to have stability, in order to have strength, in order to have structure. If you allow God to mold you into the vessel that he wants you to be, and then you allow yourself to go through that, that furnace, that fire, that testing, so you can be purified and have the ability to then receive something. Because until we're a vessel with structure, we can't receive anything. Everything just that's poured on top of us just goes out. But if we allow God to make us, turn us into that vessel, then we can actually hold oil. We can hold water. We can hold other things that can be a blessing to somebody else. That as you're formed, as you're shaped, as you're molded, as you receive, then you can freely give. That we are blessed to be a blessing. And that's, that's not even in my notes, but I know that's a word for somebody today. That you're in the process of being tested right now. You, you've allowed God to, to shape you. You've been on the potter's wheel that he's, he's kind of molded you even, even though it was uncomfortable at times, but now he's, he's got you into the, the perfect vessel for the assignment that he has for you. And there's a period of testing that's happening right now. It feels a little hot, it feels a little warm. You're thinking, get me out of this, get me out of this oven. He's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I just need you to, I just need you to bake a little bit longer. I need you to soak a little bit longer. I need, I need the strength on the inside of you because I've got a powerful mission for you. That's what this word is about. Each one of us has to carry the mission. Each one of us has to carry the oil of the Holy Spirit so that we can go out into all of East County and dispense that oil and share the light. Let your light shine. But you've gotta be able to hold it first. All right, Jake, quit distracting me. I gotta get through this. We gotta have a generational outlook that the nation of Israel, they, they understood, they got it for a minute. They're riding high off off the victories coming through the Red Sea, defeating Pharaoh. They, they won at Jericho, and so they've got all these victories under their belt, and then they start to enjoy the lay of the land, but they start to compromise a little bit. They don't completely wipe out all the other enemies. And in Judges chapter three, we see the impact of that. These are the nations that the Lord left in the land to test those Israelites who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. He did this to teach warfare to the generations of Israelites who had no experience in battle. Then we're going to jump down to verse 5. So people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and they intermarried with them. Israelite sons married their daughters. Israelite daughters were given in marriage to their sons, and the Israelites served their gods. Wow, that was a, that was a fast downhill. Just a, just a book later, they were talking about all these victories, and yay, the Lord has won, and, and we're going to serve you forever. And then, and then one generation later, the generation after Joshua, the generation after they had won all these wars and, and had all these major victories and, and they got to start enjoying the fruits and the spoils of the lands. But, but there's something that they didn't do. They didn't train up the next generation. They didn't cheat, teach the next generation. So the next generation married into the, the depravity, into the failures, into these enemies that weren't completely wiped out. So we have to be a people. We have to be a church. We have to be an individual that establishes something. It's not enough just to to drive out the enemy. It's not enough just to to win a couple of victories. We actually have to establish something that's gonna prevent the enemy from coming back in. We have to set up some pillars of strength. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Proverbs 9.1, wisdom has built her house. She has carved out seven columns. You're thinking like, okay, that's cool. What's so big about that? Well, there's some verses that just, that just you latch on to. Like God has, has, has given us, and he'll speak to each one of us specific things. And that's why I encourage you to, to take notes in church, to get out your phone, 
do whatever you need to do because sometimes it'll just be a fleeting moment. Sometimes God will just speak something to you and it may not even have anything to do with, with whatever is being spoken up here. Maybe it's during worship, God speaks a word to you. Maybe, maybe it's during the prayer time, you, you just get this little, this little highlight of information, write that down, take hold of that, write it, make it captive. Because God is trying to, to share something with you. God is trying to tell you something that's gonna be significant in your life. Maybe it's, maybe it's tied to, to your next great victory. Maybe it's tied to, to the plans that he has for you. Maybe it's something for, for your neighbor. Maybe God has given you a word to help your neighbor out. Maybe, has, maybe God is giving you a word to help your family out. Whatever it is, write it down. So wisdom is build our house. So I wanna to talk today about the seven pillars that we need to set up to counter the seven spirits of the world, the seven spirits that Israel had to face when they went into Canaan, these seven enemies. So the first one, and, and, and just real quick, I want you to, to maybe hone in on one or two. Like maybe it's, it's too much to think about all seven of these pillars, all seven of these enemies, but maybe there's, there's one main enemy that you're fighting right now. So I want you to think about what this pillar means to you. Or, or maybe there's, there's one thing that just stands out that resonates with you that you know, okay, this is what I need for this season. And, and the amazing thing about it is that if we all do that, if all of us focus on one or two things, then the entire set of strength is there because we're one family. We're united in one house. When we all come together, there's nothing that we can't accomplish with God. So the first one I wanna talk about, the Canaanites. Canaanites were the general people of the region. They were a specific nation, but it's also kind of synonymous with, with that whole region in general, the land of Canaan. And this is, this is a nation that worshiped Baal, the storm god, a, a god of fertility. And so they, they, they believed that if they prayed to this Baal, that, that the Baal would bring rain and they would have fertility in their land. And so they set up all these, these poles and symbols and, and objects of fertility. And, and there was depravity, there was fornication, there was prostitution. There was, there was all of these things, the lust of the flesh, that were corrupting that nation. And, and if Israel didn't drive that out, or if Israel didn't wipe that out, then it would, it would come to be a sticking point for them. It would come to be a stumbling block for them. And it's true for all of these nations. Whatever you don't get rid of, whatever you don't expel, whatever you don't take care of, eventually will come back to bite you. Eventually, it will be a snare for you. When we think about the culture that we're in today, we think about transgenderism, we think about woke culture, we think about all of these attacks like sex ed curriculums that are being pushed on our elementary schoolers. You think, well, maybe, maybe this, this God of Baal is still operating today. Maybe the same, the same battles that, that Israel had to fight with the Canaanites is actually something that we're still fighting today. If you think about all of the, the, the attacks on marriage, that they're trying to separate husband and wife, trying to destroy the, the family unit, trying to replace it with something that is, that is perverted. That's the spirit of Baal. So we have to be a people that can stand against it. We have to establish something, or at least have our foundation in something that can, that can counteract this measure, can, that can counteract this perversion. So the first pillar I wanna talk about is the pillar of family. The pillar of family. That God is our Father. He's, he is our Abba Father. And then there's the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's a picture of family. God has established from the beginning man and woman as husband and wife. That is the word of God. That is, that is the perfect will of God. That a man and a woman would come together and be a part of this family. And then to be fruitful and multiply. 
like Joshua and Cynthia Tan. Six kids they have, six kids. Well done, good and faithful servant. Anybody else with six kids in here? Stanley, Stanley, he's not, he's not in the room today. He's, he's off doing stuff. But, but we are called to be a people that, that believes in family, that raises up, that trains up family, that trains up our children. And even if they, even if they depart from, a, from it a little bit or for a while, in Jesus' name, they will come back. In Jesus' name, what they have learned, the spirit of Christ that's, the on, that's on the inside of them, it will come back. So thank you, Jesus, for a people that believes in family. But, but how difficult is it in today's society to keep that family structure together when, when we're so inundated with the culture of this world? Disney and other major media outlets always kind of cramming this stuff down our throats, and we're, we're forced to consume it if, if we want to have entertainment, right? But we have to be a people that stands against it. If enough people cancel their Disney Plus subscription, then Disney will change their behavior. I guarantee it. The culture of this world is so widespread, it's, per, it's pervasive. So we have to set up these pillars of family all over the place to, to establish the structure, to, to counterbalance, to counteract this evil. The next, the next nation I want to talk about is the Hittites. The Hittites. And this was a, a people that, was, uh, that were, were significant in law and military, which, which seems, that seems good. And even, even their, their principles they had, they had two main principles, justice in the divine order of the world and rightness in human behavior. And it seems like, okay, that sounds pretty good. Like, why do we need to drive this out? Because it was a misplaced principle. They didn't believe in the law and order under God. They believed in their own law and order, establishing their own government. And, you know, we've seen that over the last couple of years where, where even in this nation, the government has tried to overstep its bounds. It's tried to enact control measures that, that don't line up with the word of God, that, that when you dig down into it, aren't actually about protecting the people. I mean, I know that, that Dr. Fauci and, and the COVID police had their way for a while, but eventually when people stood up and started to, to actually look at the science and to recognize that, that this is no longer about protecting the, me, this is about a measure of control, they're trying to keep control over me by telling me that I have to wear a mask in my car by myself. <laughs> Don't even try to explain that science to me. I've had enough of it. <laughs> so the law, the structure that, that seems good, it seems right, but is not of God. It's a, it's, a very, it's a very delicate situation. And the nation of Israel constantly had problems with the Hittites because, well, they, they compromised. They're like, well, it's not that far off. I mean, you know, they're not, they're not you know, worshiping Baal, or, or maybe they are, but they don't, they, they don't make a big deal about it. You know, they don't like spread it all over the news. And they have this law, they have this structure, they have this order, but, but it's not of God. So it doesn't, it doesn't lead into his truth. It doesn't lead to a relationship with him. And they constantly had to rationalize. They constantly had to compromise. They constantly had to, to let go of their values. And just little by little, bit by bit, it turned them away from God. So what do we have to do? How do we counter this? We have to set up a pillar of grace. A pillar of grace. You might be thinking, well, what does grace have to do with the law? Well, in Christ, everything. Because it says Jesus Christ came not to abolish the law, but to be the fulfillment of the law. 
So all the law and order that is needed is found in his grace. Everything that we need to have structure in our lives, everything that we need to have, have control in our lives is found through his grace, that he is the fulfillment of the law. When we set up this pillar of grace, when we allow ourselves to, to come under his kingdom, under his authority, in fact, in this nation, we have the authority. We just let it go. The Constitution says we the people we the people have the authority in this land, and we get to elect officials that represent us. But when those officials stop representing us according to the will and the word of God, then we need new, new officials. We need to elect some, some godly men and women that believe in the Bible, that believe in his principles. But if we don't do that, if we as the church don't stand up and do something, then who will? Like, we have to be the ones that establish this pillar of grace. In Psalm 89, 14, it says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. That we need law and order. That we need, uh, we need to have, have a system of justice. But it's righteousness and justice. It's mercy and truth. That when we, when we bring the truth, we bring it with love. We bring it in grace. We bring it in mercy. And we establish an order and a structure that is good for not just us, but for everybody else. That the world will find that, that, that true law, true order under heaven is more liberating than anything else they can find. Those other laws are restriction. Those other laws are meant to con contain and restrict so that, so that who's in control can stay in control to continue to perpetuate their power. Well, we know who the one who's really in control, and we submit ourselves to his grace, then we get to operate under the grace of heaven. Amen? The next one that I want to talk about, the next nation, the Hivites. The Hivites. These were tribesmen. These were people that, that um, they, they didn't really have much to say. The Bible doesn't say a whole lot about them. But, uh, but they were one of the nations that, that God had to wipe out. And one of the things that it does say is, is as Israel was coming into the promised land, there were some people of the Hivites that saw what God had done in the Red Sea, saw how God had wiped out the Egyptian army, saw how God had, had brought them victory in Jericho. And they said, so we don't want to mess with these people. So let's pretend like we're from far away. Let's bring deception in. And say that we're, we're, we're not from this land. So they put on old clothes and, and they had moldy food. And they came to Israel and they came to Joshua. And they said, make a treaty with us. Like we're, we're from far away. You know, but, but we know your God is good. We know your God is powerful. So we don't want to mess with you. And, and the nation of Israel didn't seek God. They didn't ask God. They, they leaned on their own understanding. That's why Proverbs 3.5 says, lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. And so they they succumbed to this deception because they didn't consult God. So we've got, a we've got to be a people that counters that deception. Well, how do we counter deception? With the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. We've got to be a people that, that calls it like it is. Like Leanne Yarber. That she's, she's unafraid and unashamed to tell you how it really is. That she can, she can sniff out deception. She has a good BS detector. That she knows when somebody is trying to sell her, sell her something's fishy. That we have to be people that can use discernment. Well, real discernment is humility. Humility. Knowing that we don't have all the answers. Knowing that we don't know everything that's right. Because, you know, Israel and Joshua, they just looked at the old clothes. They looked at the moldy food. And they thought, oh, yeah, these people must be telling the truth. 
But if we can lean not on our own understanding, if we can seek God, then he'll, he'll tell us what is the truth. He'll give us discernment. He'll give us wisdom. And that's the key to discernment is having humility, to trust in the Lord. The next one, the next nation I want to talk about are the Perizzites. You guys getting something out of this? Is this good? All right. Okay. We're on the right track. The Perizzites. These were rustics. These were people in the open country. These were people that, that lived in the forest. They kind of hid away. Kind of like parasites, they're hard to find, hard to detect. They, they, they plant themselves all over the place. And so it's not enough to just win one victory. You gotta kind of search out the whole region. You gotta go from house to house. You gotta go from region to region. You gotta find where all of these things are because like a parasite, if you, if you don't deal with it, eventually it'll become a pretty big problem. If you don't, if you don't go in and, and treat that thing the way it needs to be treated, then eventually it could become a chronic disease. And the same was true for, for, the, for them. If they didn't, because they didn't deal with the parasites completely, that eventually they, they became this chronic pain, this, this chronic problem, that eventually um, in the parasites themselves, they allied themselves with other, other nations to come and attack Israel. So we've got to be a people with tenacity. We've got to be a people with resolve. So the pillar we have to set up is the pillar of resolve. When I think about this, I think about the Virilis. Chris and Coral, like I can't think of two other people that have more tenacity, more resolve, more follow through. They're more thorough in everything that they do. Chris has seen it in his business. Like he built an entire business out of, out of just his, his thoroughness, his attention to detail. He's got, he's got the ability to, to just like find the finute things and really go after them. And Coral has this incredible administrative and administrative gift that just blows my mind. I don't even understand how she can keep everything that she does together and intact. Like it says, a stitch in time saves nine. So we've got to be the people that will, will do the, the small things, do the little things early on to prevent bigger problems later on. Psalm 101, verse 8. And this is actually, this is actually my, uh, my password to my computer for work, so you can break into my thing now. They change it every like 90 days. You got to find a new one. I'm like, okay, what has a capital letter, a lowercase letter, number, and a special symbol? Bible verses. <laughs> Psalms 101 verse 8. It's got everything you need. So every, every 60 to 90 days, I just find a new Bible verse. So every time I, lo I log into my computer right now, this is, this, is my, this is what I do. Every time I log into my, my computer, I say this. My daily task will be to ferret out the wicked and free the city of the Lord from their grip. Every time I log into my computer, that's what I'm doing. Just rehearsing that verse, finding a new one every 60 to 90 days. That was for free. You get that one for free. <laughs> the, next, the next nation I want to talk about. Oh, man, got to speed up. All right, the Girgashites. Girgashites, similar to the Parasites, these were wanderers. They went all over the land. They didn't really have a king or kingdom, no defined borders. But they show up later on in Scripture as well. The, the Gergesites are connected in the New Testament to the region of the, the Gergesenes or Gadarenes. And some of you might know of a story about a man from the Gadarenes who was a demoniac. He was possessed by a legion, not just, not just one bad thing, but many, multitude of bad things, bad spirits were influencing him. When you don't have order, when you don't have structure, when you just allow things to grow in nature as they will, it, it, it overruns things, it, it's pervasive. It gets into to all kinds of places that you don't want it to go. Think about uh, like Bougainvillea, you know, if you know that it's, it's just, it, it blows up. It, you can trim it all the way down to like next to nothing and 
the next thing you know, it's, it's back up, invasive, it's got thorns. It's beautiful from a distance, and it's beautiful if it's cultivated well. So if we can cultivate ourselves well, then, then there is order, there is structure. If we, if we have structure, if we have a pillar of structure in our life, then we can prevent the enemy from coming in and taking over. What may seem little by little, but all of a sudden, you have spirits coming at you from several different ways. You have a situation in the Gadarenes where there was a man fully possessed and nobody in the region could do anything about it. It wasn't until Jesus came that that man found redemption. So we've gotta be a people that sets up a structure. Without this, chaos will ensue. We gotta be a people like the Shooties, who for four and a half years have built the structure of Connect Group, have established Connect Groups all over East County. And in fact, East Campus is known for our Connect Groups. We constantly have a higher percentage of people in Connect Groups because of this couple right here, because of their faithfulness, because of their structure that they've set up. Why is that so important? Because right now in East County, we have one location, this building, but connect groups are all over the place. So the Gergesites and the Perizzites and all of those other people that are, that are pervasive for all over, they, they may think that they can operate in their own territory, but there's a connect group nearby that's praying. There's a people that are coming together and doing life together. They're, they're eating dinner together. They're praying together. They're believing together. So that all over this county and all over San Diego with connect groups at all of our other campuses, there's nowhere for them to hide. There's nowhere for that enemy to hide. Whatever, whatever foxhole they, they crawl into, whatever pit they dig into, we will find them and we will root them out in Jesus' name through our connect groups. The next one I wanna talk about is probably one of the most formidable foes for the Israelites, the Amorites. And this was a people that were, like the Bible says, tall as cedars. They were like giants, probably sons of, of giants. And they were, they were focused on immorality and idolatry, serving these other gods. And you might, you might remember one of the most famous kings of the Amorites, Hammurabi. Hammurabi set up a, a code and a, a system of rules and, and structure. But again, it was, it was without God. And so these people united against Israel. These people fought continually against Israel. And some of the, the most famous battles that Israel won were against the Amorites. But yet, there was still something about them that they didn't wipe completely out. And there's some battles, there's some battles that we face that, that we can't handle on our own. There's some battles that we, we step into that are, that are more than we are capable of by ourselves. And that's where we have to have faith. We've got to set up a pillar of faith. We've got to realize that, that there's times where, where we just have to trust God. There's times that we have to believe in God, that he is with us, that he's gonna lead us. I know the, the Molchanovs, wherever they are, they, uh, they had a, a time during COVID where, where they were told that they had to close down their, their business. They had to shut down, they couldn't open up their doors. And they had to, they even lost one of their locations. And, and in this time, they had, to, they had to trust God. They had to stand on that pillar of faith. They maybe skirted the rules here or there, pulled the window shades down over one of their places, allowed some people in, thank goodness. They did, they did what they needed to do because they had faith. They had trust in God. And God brought them through that. Whenever you're facing a challenge that you can't handle on your own, just trust God. Just believe in God. Stand 
on his word. Hold fast to it. Believe in it with everything that you are, even when when it seems like the world is coming against you. If you have faith in God, he will not let you down. In Joshua 10, it says, the Lord threw them into a panic, talking about the Amorites, and the Israelites slaughtered a great number of them at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth Haran, killing them along the way to Azekiah and Machariah. As the Amorites retreated down the road from Beth Haran, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven that continued until they reached Azekiah. The hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with the sword. If you position yourself in God's will, in his direction, and you just start marching, you start taking ground, then he is gonna do something that is impossible for you. When you put yourself in his hands, when you trust in him, he will accomplish more than you could ever do on your own. That we, we start the process, but, but God is gonna finish it. That we head towards victory, but God brings the victory, amen? Proverbs 21 says, the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. And the last nation I want to talk about as we come to a close is the Jebusites. The Jebusites were a stronghold. They, they were a nation that set themselves up, up in the hill country. And in fact, they, they took hold, they had possession of Jerusalem. Judah was, was called to come in and take them out, couldn't do it. Benjamin was called to come in and take them out, couldn't drive them out of Jerusalem. Judah means praise, and Benjamin means son of my right hand, which is a symbolic of strength. So even praise and strength couldn't drive out this enemy. Well, what could? David came in, a man after God's own heart, a man of devotion. And what praise and strength couldn't do, devotion accomplished. Stand up, Scott and Kelly. Amazing Isaacs. Love this couple. From, from even before day one of East Campus, they came and they said, we're devoted to this house. We're devoted to God. Whatever you need us to do, we're here. We'll do it. Like their devotion has, has helped to establish this, this campus, helped to establish this structure. Their devotion to God and to, and to his house and to his people. They've opened up their home on countless occasions to bring people in through connect groups and serving teams and other things. They do a phenomenal job leading, they do a phenomenal job discipling. They're constantly raising and releasing people. Why? Because they're devoted to him. They have a heart after God's. And because of your devotion, God is doing great things, not just in this house, but in your house. Your son and your daughter, they love God. They're serving in the house. They're devoted as well. That spirit of devotion has been passed on from generation to generation. And that spirit of devotion is gonna continue to be passed on because you have been devoted to God's house. He's devoted to your house. Love this couple. The same is true for all of us. Whenever we're devoted to God. Yeah, come on, let's give them a round of applause. Love their heart. They deserve it. Whenever we're devoted to God, he is devoted to us. And so I want to come to a close now, but I want you to be, to be thinking about all of, these, all of these pillars. What is it that's significant in your life? What are these, what are these enemies, these nations that you're having to face? Maybe you might be thinking, well, there's a laundry list. What's the biggest rock? Go after the main enemy. Where's the most fire coming from? Set up that pillar. Establish that stronghold to protect against the enemy. And as a church, we have to do this too. This message is conquest from Canaan to Cajon. And that verse that I had you remember at the beginning, 
said the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord went before them. The Ark of the Covenant held the presence, the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God went before them. What was interesting to me when I was thinking about this, we live in El Cajon. And if you, if you read the Bible, which I encourage, you'll find that, that El means God. El Shaddai, God Almighty. Elohim is, is the multitude of God, the Trinity of God, the family of God. So if El means God, and we know that in Spanish, Cajon means box, then El Cajon is literally God of the box. From Canaan to Cajon, the Ark of the Covenant is with us. We live in the God of the box. God is with us, God is here in El Cajon. He is the God of this territory. If we, if we set up these pillars, he's gonna drive out the enemy and we've established something that prevents them from coming back in. And something that's really powerful is that God lived in, his presence lived in the Ark of the Covenant. His, his spirit was in that box until Jesus came. When Jesus came, he established a new covenant. And so no longer did God's spirit have to be located just in one box, that Jesus made his spirit available to all of us so that we become the covenant. We become the new covenant, the relationship with Jesus Christ, that we get to experience the God in us God with us when we invite Jesus into our life. He gives us the strength to establish all of these pillars because the one thing that was common about all these other nations is that none of them had a covenant relationship with God. So when we enter into a covenant relationship with Him, when we remember Him, when we allow Him to live in our hearts, we become that covenant. We have the ability to set up those pillars. Without Him, we can do nothing, but with Him, all things are possible. So I wanna close the service right now and I wanna give you the opportunity. Maybe you've, you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never accepted him into your heart. Maybe you don't have that, that covenant relationship with him. Maybe you're thinking there's no way I can, I can do battle against all these enemies. Well, not on your own, you don't have to. Uh, in just a moment, I wanna pray and I wanna give you the opportunity to allow him to come in and you can establish that covenant relationship. Or maybe you're here and, and you feel like you did at one point say a prayer like that to invite Jesus in, but, but you find that right now that you don't, you don't really feel like you're walking in his presence. It doesn't feel like you're walking in his grace. And you know that you need to come back to him. Well, in just a moment, I wanna pray with you as well. If you need to experience his grace again, seven times, seven times, 70 times seven, he'll forgive you. Whenever you come back to him, his grace is sufficient for all of our failures. Time and again, I've had to come back to the throne of grace to receive forgiveness. But every time when I make the commitment to establish Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life, I find that I don't need saving again. I still need some instruction. I still need some correction. I still need some discipleship. But whenever I recommit and make Jesus the Lord of my life, I found that, the, that those, those things that the enemy used to use to trip me up no longer have power anymore. When I established pillars in my life of family, pillars of faith, pillars of resolve in my life, I find that the, the enemy doesn't have as much potency as he once did. 
And so if that's you today, if you've, if you've never given your life to Jesus, never accepted him as your Lord and Savior, I wanna pray for you. Maybe you did at one point and you, you find that you're far from God and you just need to reconnect with him, then I'd love to pray with you. If we could do this, could we all close our eyes and bow our heads? And if that's you, I'd love to include you in this prayer as I close. So right now, would you just raise your hand, lift your hand up if you wanna receive Jesus Christ. See that hand, God bless you. Who else is there? God bless you, see those hands, so proud of you. See that hand, thank you so much. God bless you. See those hands back there in the back, so proud of you. God bless you, over there, so good. Once I've seen your hand, you can, you can put it down. And who are those ones that need to reconnect with God? They find themselves far from God. You just, I see that hand, God bless you. See those hands, God bless you. So see that hand back there, thank you. God bless you, God bless you. Who else is there? You know that you need God in your life. See those hands back there. See that hand, so proud of you. Thank you so much. Anybody else here today? I'm gonna to wrap up this service. See that hand, sweetheart. Thank you so much, so proud of you. Who else is there today? See that hand. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. There may just be one or two more people and I need to, to wrap up and close, but, but I don't want you to miss out on this opportunity. See that hand, God bless you, sir. Over there to the side, see that hand, God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? See that hand, God bless you, so proud of you. His grace is sufficient. Come back to him. Why don't we do this? Let's all say these words together. Why don't we all stand up right now? Let's all, let's all say this prayer together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, come on, everybody here today, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins. I repent of my sins. I claim that heaven is my home and God is my Father. That throughout my life, I will draw near to Him. That I will believe Him, have faith in Him, trust Him. I thank you today that you have saved me by your grace and that I will live out my life in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already, and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.